The guy who's going to be blessed, the gal who's going to be blessed, is the one who keeps the tongue from evil and the lips from speaking guile. It's so easy to have, unfortunately, this very negative quality. I said it's an undetected Christian pastime. What is this Christian pastime that I'm talking about? Well, it's the pastime, unfortunately, of having a critical spirit. The goal is to root out that root of bitterness and daily ask God for victory in this area. The Bible says that the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. Welcome to Pulpit Power, featuring Pastor Tony Skeving, Senior Pastor of Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. Today's message was previously preached before a church audience. And now, here's Pastor Skeving. Well, let's take our Bibles and turn back to the book of Hebrews in the 12th chapter, Hebrews chapter 12. I'd like to talk today about an undetected Christian pastime. It's an unfortunate one. Sadly, it's how often in times we spend our time as God's people, and that is um, being critical, being cynical, and, um, and talking down others. And the root of the problem really is given to us here in Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse number 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled." What is this Christian pastime that I'm talking about? Well, it's the pastime, unfortunately, of having a critical spirit. And sadly, in most cases, God's people are unaware of it. And so we'll be talking about that in our study today. Let's pray before we begin. Father, we ask you, dear Lord, to help us to take a good look and an honest look at the Scriptures. Father, to be honest with ourselves as we cross-check ourselves with thy word. Lord, I just pray now that you would... Help us in this area because we're so prone to wander and in the wrong direction. And Father, to let our hearts, our minds, our tongues do that which they shouldn't. Please help us now to get victory. And Father, we ask it all now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Do you ever scrutinize other people? Do you ever find fault? Do you ever uh, talk down others? or badmouth others, or make negative comments about other people. Well, it's easy to have a critical spirit and to be unaware of it. The Bible gives us examples of this, and uh, the one that actually comes to my mind, first of all, is the brother and the sister of Moses. Moses was not the oldest of the three. Moses was the youngest of the three. And he had an older brother by the name of, of Aaron. He had an older sister by the name of Miriam. And we find out that Miriam and Aaron were trash-talking Moses. And anyhow, we find out that in Numbers chapter 12 and verse number 1, Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses, and they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? The Bible says, And the Lord heard it. The Lord heard it. And it's funny, the Bible would add that part, The Lord heard it as though he didn't like it. He didn't like what he heard at all. And we know that through it, uh, Miriam ended up with leprosy. 
And I think that's kind of a reminder to all of us how God feels about having a critical spirit. Uh, oftentimes, it starts behind the back, and that's how it started with Miriam and Aaron. They, they were talking behind Moses' back, but uh, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh and sometimes gets bolder, and it often festers in the heart, and pretty soon it's, it goes from being behind the back of the person to uh, confronting that person. As Moses went on, he had other confrontation. I think of Korah. Korah was a cousin, a first cousin of Moses. And Korah, uh, in so many words, thought that Moses had too much power. And so he gathered other men with him, and, and that's what eventually happens. We reinforce ourselves. And they gathered themselves against Moses and said unto him, Ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore then lift ye up yourselves among the congregation of the Lord. Number 16, verse number 3. Now was that congregation really holy? Are you kidding? That congregation was continually bickering and, and complaining and wanting to go back to Egypt. And, and here's Korah, probably the biggest backslider of the bunch, criticizing Moses for taking too much upon himself. Korah had a critical spirit. And then there was Eliab. Eliab was the uh, older brother of David. And remember when David was to take the, uh, the cheese and the other things from his dad down to his brothers who were fighting that battle. And, and he was just listening to what was going on amongst the men, the soldiers. And they were talking about how, how the king would reward anyone who went out against Goliath. And, and David was just saying, well, this and that to that one. And Eliab came up, he overheard it. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. Now, that wasn't the case at all. But apparently there was something in the heart of Eliab already, and, and maybe it was the fact that David had been anointed, and of course he's the older brother, and David's the younger, and there's jealousy there. But he has this critical spirit. He has it all, out already for David there. And then there was, of course, Michael, who would later on marry David. And you remember the story of, of them bringing the ark back into Jerusalem, and David rejoicing to the music and jumping up and down. But when he got back, Michael had this huge tune and said, how glorious was the king today, and, and, and ragged on him, and of course, she remained childless for life. Now, on the surface, everything perhaps seemed okay with Michael, but she had this critical spirit. It's something that we can be so unaware of. In fact, the church at Corinth had a critical spirit toward Paul. Imagine that, the guy who had led many of them to the Lord and, and started the work there in Corinth, along with Aquila and Priscilla, and now they're talking behind his back. And they're saying, who does he think he is? He talks big when he's here in person and, and all that when he writes letters, but he's really mousy and, and uh, can't even see straight and can't even talk without stuttering. And, and they were, they were uh, questioning his apostleship. Why? Well, they had a critical spirit. That's why. It's a very serious, serious thing to have a critical spirit. We find warnings in the Bible about it. In the book of James chapter 4, verse 11, it says, Speak not evil one of another, brethren. Who art thou that judgest another? That's a good question. Now, who is our judge? God's our judge. And so why do we set ourselves up as the judge of other people? It says, who art thou that judgest another? And then there are some serious warnings about this. In the book of Jude, in verse 16, it mentions murmurs, complainers, that's what a critic is, walking after their own lusts, and their mouth speaking great swelling words. 
Now back here in Hebrews chapter 12, we find our text. In verse number 14, it tells us to follow peace with all men and holiness. Now, when we're criticizing somebody, when we're talking and and trashing them behind their back, are we doing that? Are we following peace and are we being holy? Obviously not. It, It adds in verse 14, without that holiness, which no man shall see the Lord without it. And then verse 15 says, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. More about that later. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. We find some serious warnings here, and we'll come back to this in just a little bit. But as we talk about being unaware of a critical spirit, let's first of all take a look at what we call the behavior what leads to a critical spirit? What, what are the signs of it? What are the indications of us having a critical spirit? The first is what I call the Pharisee syndrome. The Pharisee syndrome. There are few things pewier than a Pharisaical attitude amongst even one of God's people. And every church has Pharisees. I, I think any pastor you talk to would tell you that's true of any church. And with a Pharisee, They have this condition that is so blinding they don't realize they have it. And that's why they're unaware of the fact they have a critical spirit. Remember when that lady came in and she anointed the feet of Jesus, the head of Jesus with this precious oil? And and there was somebody there who said, why was this waste uh, allowed to happen here? This could have been sold for 300 pence and given to the poor. Who was that man? Judas. Judas, of all people, was critical of this gal. Now, was he really concerned about the poor? No. The book of John, I believe, shines light on what he was really interested in. He was interested in that money. And yet he's so, at least appearing to be sincere, and it's righteous indignation, at least in his mind, he is indignant about the fact this gal has wasted this money. When all the while, he's a big hypocrite. You see, that's what somebody who has a critical spirit is. They are a big hypocrite. They are a Pharisee. They're blinded by their own heart. And uh, a critical Pharisee is always going to be uh, a hypocrite. And there's a reason for that. Turn to Romans chapter 2. How do we get that way? How do we become like a Pharisee? Oftentimes, a Pharisee can be a, a grown woman who is still a little girl trying to make brownie points. And so she becomes a Pharisee and kind of condescending toward others. Oftentimes a Pharisee can be a a grown man, but there's still a little boy inside trying to get that pat on the head and get that approval, and so they talk down other people. It leads to a critical spirit. Now remember, Judas, in Romans chapter 2, notice what verse 1 says. It says, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another... Thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doest the same things. That was Judas. Uh, he was inexcusable for his judgment, for his critical spirit. He was doing something even worse than this gal was who put this ointment on Jesus Christ. So number one, people have a critical spirit because the Pharisee syndrome. Number two, they have a critical spirit because trashing others or speaking poorly of others makes them feel better about themselves. They feel better about themselves. You've heard the old adage, uh, somehow we feel that our candle glows brighter by burning somebody else's out. And so we'll 
We'll, we'll go around and we'll blow out other people's candles trying to make ours at least uh, appear brighter. You know what the problem is with, with us when we have a critical spirit? And uh, we, we're trying to feel better about ourselves. The problem is we're insecure. <laughs> Plain and simple, we're revealing a real insecurity on our part. And when somebody criticizes other people to feel better about themselves, it's quite often because they've grown up, they've grown up unable to please their parents. Maybe they had a parent that was unusually hard to please. Or, or uh, sometimes that parent was critical of that child because that child had it coming. They brought it on themselves. They were always acting up. But now the child has what the world calls low self-esteem. People with what they call low self-esteem are are normally critical people. So they are really a, a, a person with a critical spirit, and it's undetected. They're unaware of it. There's a third reason for the behavior, and that is because we're discontented. We're discontented with our lot in life or we're jealous about somebody else. We're telling on ourselves when we're continually criticizing someone else that we're often jealous of, of what they have, of how they look, of, uh, of maybe the, the accolades or the acclaim that they're getting. We're secretly wishing we could get it, and so we, we talk them down. We're discontented. We're jealous. There's another reason, fourthly, why people have a critical spirit, and that is because... They are super spiritual, as we call it. Look, if you would, back in 1 Kings chapter 19. I was reading this recently in, in my own personal devotions, actually reading through the Bible in a year. And I was reading about Elijah, and we know the story of what a great prophet he was and how he called down fire there on the top of Mount Carmel and slew the prophets of Baal. Well, after that took place, Jezebel wanted his hide. Jezebel threatened to kill him, and so Elijah takes off for the hills. He's running from uh, Ahab and Jezebel. He gets out there, and he gets really depressed. He gets really discouraged. And in 1 Kings chapter 19, and uh, verse number 9, it says, And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him. And he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. I want you to remember that. He says, I'm the only one still standing for the Lord. We pick it up in verse number uh, 13 after this little test. And it says, And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? God's still saying, What are you doing, Elijah? Verse 14, And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. Sound familiar? And I, even I, only... Am left. He says it again. What's he saying? I'm the only one still standing. I'm the only one still standing. Everybody else is compromising. Notice a bit super spiritual here. And God reminds him that wasn't the case at all. In, in fact, look at verse 18. God says to Elijah, Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him, You know, God reminds him a lot of stuff, but then he goes back to something Elijah said when he said, I only am left, and God says, no, you're not. But notice he's got this critical spirit. Everybody else is compromising, 
but not me, super spiritual. We've got to watch that sometimes when we think that others are, are uh, taking steps down and we're not. And we have this super spiritual tune. And uh, we can have them in a church like this. And you can sit with your spouse and you can rag on somebody else. You can rag on spiritual authority. You can rag on the staff. You can rag on the, the preacher because, well, you're super spiritual. You know, the question is, since when did you get so super spiritual? The church at Corinth ragging on Paul. Now, when did they get so all-fire spiritual? That is, as I see it, the most carnal church in the New Testament. And there they are, talking down, trashing Paul, the apostle. Why? Well, they, they were, number one, super spiritual. That's why they were critical. Thirdly, because they were blinded. That's what pride does. And uh, here's a good question to ask a super spiritual person. When's the last time you led anyone to the Lord? When's the last time you brought a visitor to church? When's the last time you witnessed anyone? And the uh, answer shouldn't shock you. Uh, shouldn't surprise you at all. Uh, super spiritual people don't bear much fruit. Now, there's a fifth reason why we criticize others and have a critical spirit, and that is because perhaps we've gotten closer to them than we can handle. Closer to them than we can handle. Uh, some of you ladies might have that two-way mirror. And in that mirror, you, you look on one side and everything looks normal, but you flip it over and everything's bigger. And, and from that bigger side, boy, I'll tell you, you see everything up close. You see every wart, every mole, every uh, pimple, every freckle, every imperfection possible. And it's like, whoa, what happened? Well, you got up close. And when you get up close, that's when you see all that stuff. Now, people who are critical and have a critical spirit often are people that you cannot get close to. There are a lot of, of, of men in this church I am very close to. I, I work close to guys like Clint and guys like Doug and guys like uh, Donnie and guys like Gary and, and other guys for years and years and years because, uh, honestly, a preacher wants friends too, just like anybody else. And, and uh, wisdom as a pastor is recognizing who you can get close to because you can't get close to everybody. You know who you can't get close to? You can't get close to somebody who has a critical spirit. Why? Because they begin to see those warts and those freckles and those moles. They can't handle getting up close because they have a critical spirit and they begin to pick you apart and they see what they, they, they think are flaws, often are just their perception of flaws, and they get blinded by their hypocrisy and they begin to criticize. I've learned not to take it personally. Honestly, if they would criticize the Apostle Paul, or if they'd even uh, say of Jesus Christ, he doesn't wash his hands before he eats, and he heals on the Sabbath, and so on and so forth, the bottom line is there's just always going to be people with critical spirits. And you have to watch who you get close to, or they'll start to pick you apart. Now, there's another reason why people get critical spirits, and it's what I call the, the Simon the Sorcerer Syndrome. The Simon the Sorcerer Syndrome. Remember him from Acts chapter 8? Now, Jesus Christ and the apostles had spent three years laying the groundwork, getting ridiculed and, and, and suffering, and, and day after day uh, walking through the dusty Judean hills and preaching in different places and sleeping on the ground at night and, and, and laying that foundation for Christianity. Christ himself had gone to the cross and paid the ultimate price and now after the resurrection, I mean, Stephen's being martyred and stuff is happening and, and there's persecution and there's scattering. But long about by, by Acts chapter 8, things are kind of settling down a little bit. And Simon the sorcerer makes a profession of faith. And Peter shows up there in Samaria and lays hands on some people and they receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And Simon looks back and, and he says, you know what? 
I'd like to have that power. And, and he says these two words, give me that. Give me. That's the Simon the Sorcerer Syndrome. Somebody with a critical spirit didn't pay the price. They weren't there in the early days, and, and now they stand back and they say, give me that class, or give me that uh, responsibility, or give me those accolades, or give me those finances, or give me whatever, because they have the Simon the Sorcerer Syndrome. And they get critical of what's going on now because they weren't here in the early days. That's so easy to do. Let me caution you on that, especially if you're uh, more of a Johnny-come-lately. I hate to say that expression, but somebody who's come on board after the price has been paid, it's going to be easy for you to, to just say, give me, give me, give me. And the average person who's come on the last several years has no idea what went on 20-some years ago to get this to where it is. So don't have the Simon the Sorcerer Syndrome or you'll have a critical spirit. Now, there's another reason why people have a critical spirit, normally unawares, is they don't see the big picture. All they see is one little corner of the puzzle or one little piece of the picture. If they saw the big picture, they wouldn't be continually critiquing. In fact, it's so easy to do that to just see it from our vantage point. But really, when we're tempted to criticize somebody, we need to back up and say, wait a minute, do I know as much as they know about this subject? Have I thought about it as much as they have? You know, I think an awful lot. It's it's hard to turn my mind off. If I'm driving, I'm thinking. If I'm shaving, I'm thinking. If I'm whatever, I'm I'm thinking. And, And so we try to think things through. And I've said often, there's a reason in a New Testament church like this for everything we do. We've thought it through. We're not claiming perfection. Nobody bats a thousand. But but we probably see a bigger picture than the average person. And yet the devil loves to sit on people's shoulders and show them just a, a, a small corner of it and say, well, I don't agree with that. I don't think it ought to be done that way and that sort of thing. Um, that's when we can have a critical spirit unaware. Now, there's a final reason why we we have a critical spirit. It's not the only final reason, but it's, it's one that I've thought of, and that is because human nature by itself is depraved. I listened to our, our news the other day, Brother Schaefer, uh, USA Radio News on a Christian radio station. My girls were in the car with me. We were driving, and I just, boy, that was, that was negative. Boy, that was bad news. Boy, that was depressing. And about three, four, five stories went by, and every single one of them was like, whoa, I feel really good now. And I thought to myself, that's just the way it is, that we, are, we have this sin-cursed society, there's, there's all this depravity, and, and honestly, just by nature, we are depraved. Good night. Uh, Paul the Apostle, he put it this way in, in Romans chapter 7, he said, in my flesh, he says, I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. We need to realize that, folks. Prone to wander, yep. Prone to be critical and cynical and sarcastic, Yep. We've got to guard against that because our, our very nature is going to be that way. It's, it's kind of like gravity. It's going to pull us in that direction. We're going to have to resist it because the tendency is going to be to speak negatively and to, to rag on people. You know, the Bible talks about the works of the flesh in Galatians chapter 5. It mentions really awful things like adultery and fornication and idolatry and, and witchcraft and, and murder and all this. And sandwiched amongst all those, those awful things we find this word variance. Variance. Do we know what variance is? Variance is having a critical spirit, plain and simple. It's being cynical and sarcastic and critical and ragging on people. 
And there it is, mentioned with all those things that people who are not going to enter the kingdom of God are practicing. So we see, first of all, the behavior. Secondly, let's talk about the blindness. Turn to Matthew chapter 7, if you would. Matthew chapter 7. Perhaps the number one thing in our lives that might be putting a wall between us and God might be this very thing I'm talking about right here. You know, it might be that God wants to work in my life and God wants to work in your life, but He can't because we have a critical spirit. Notice the blindness involved with having a critical spirit. Here in Matthew chapter 7, in verse number 1, Jesus says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye? But considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite. First cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Now, this is a very familiar passage, and we're, we're familiar with it, obviously, but, but do we really understand what Christ is saying about having a critical spirit here? Because that's exactly what he's talking about. He's talking about going around and judging everybody else when we got this beam in our eye. Let's compare it to a, a railroad tie. And then he mentions this moat in the eye of the other person. Let's compare that to a toothpick. So there we are walking around uh, trying to pick out toothpicks out of other people's eyes when we have this beam in our own eye. And, and he, is, he is really condemning the fact that we are judging unrighteously. In John 7.24, he said, Judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. And how often do we judge according to appearance? Again, not seeing the big picture, not having all the facts, just seeing our little piece of it and saying, well, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. How much critiquing do we really do? And, and does it please the Lord? You know, the key to this really, I think, is 1 Corinthians 11.31. It says, for if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. If we would judge ourselves, how much time do we really spend judging ourselves compared to judging other people? You know, self-judgment needs to be a daily, daily practice. This isn't something where we say, well, I, I got the victory over it. No, the old nature never goes away. Uh, this business of self-judgment uh, is something we need to do daily because of that old nature. It will help us to squelch cynicism. And that's really the goal. It will help us to keep our hearts right with God. The devil is so subtle. He would love to have us doing this. So daily, every morning, we need to wake up and say, all right, is there anyone I'm cynical toward? Is there any, anyone I have a root of bitterness toward? Is there anyone I'm mumbling about? Is there anyone I'm grumbling about? Anything? And, and most likely, if we are kind of cutting somebody else down, it'll be for one of those uh, several reasons I gave just a moment ago. In, in Matthew chapter 7 here, the beam is the critical spirit. Plain and simple, the beam in the eye is the critical spirit. And you say, well, I have a reason. I have a good, a, a good reason to have a critical spirit. I've been done wrong. Well, maybe you've been done wrong. Maybe you just think you've been done wrong. Maybe you just perceive it as having been done wrong. Uh, most of the time, I've learned this. There's, there's two sides. There are two sides. So what do we do? Well, we deal with our own sin, plain and simple. 
We judge ourselves. 1 Corinthians 11.31 again. We judge ourselves. We deal with ourselves. A mature Christian deals with himself. A mature Christian judges his own sin. You know what an immature Christian does? Just the opposite. Goes around criticizing other people. That's immaturity. That's, that means we need to grow up. When we're ragging on somebody else, we're trashing somebody else. Notice in verse number 5 what Jesus says here in Matthew 7. He says, thou, what? Hypocrite. That's hypocrisy. First cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the moat out of thy brother's eye. You know, it's hypocrisy. Now, here's the sad point. Remember our text? In fact, let's just turn back there. Hebrews chapter 12. Let's just keep our Bibles there. Hebrews 12 and verse number 15 says, Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. When we are cynical, when we are critical, we are infecting other people. Thereby many be defiled. Uh, A spouse defiles his or her spouse when they have a critical spirit. Parents defile their children. And those, those results are devastating. If a mother especially has pharisaical tendencies, that's, it's especially dangerous. And I'm not picking on ladies here, but, but uh, you might act right, and you might dress right, and you might look right, and you might talk right, and you might do all these other things right. But if you have a critical spirit, it's negating all that. If you have a holier-than-thou attitude, it is negating all that. And I know this for a fact. I've been saved long enough to know there are a number of mothers. They, they appear humble. They appear submissive. They appear teachable. They appear uh, godly. But they're the furthest thing from that because they have a critical spirit. And they're defiling their kids with that holier-than-thou attitude. And uh, that super spiritual attitude, like, like uh, Elijah even. They, they think they're the only ones still standing. I Only I am left. And they're defiling their kids in the, in the process. And there are some men guilty of it as well. And again, the test is, the test is, when is the last time I engaged an unsaved person in a spiritual talk and tried to get the gospel to them and, and tried to maybe uh, get them engaged in a Bible study and, 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 and try and lead them to Christ? And the answer is nearly always the same. It's been a long, long, long time. And so we become like the, the priest and the Levite in the story of the Good Samaritan. We pass by on the other side, that, that holier-than-thou attitude there. And uh, a critical person will seldom do spiritual things that bear fruit because God doesn't bless it. We see the behavior. We see the blindness. Thirdly, let's talk about the balance. The balance. Again, our text says, Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. I've highlighted fail of the grace of God. Fail of the grace of God. What's that talking about? It's talking about the fact that grace is available to overcome this habit. It's almost like an addiction. And the grace is there to get victory over it. But when we don't apply it, when we don't appropriate it, we fail of the grace of God. It's for naught. It doesn't help us. Look in Ephesians chapter 4, if, if you would. We can stop it by the grace of God. We can get victory over that habit, that addiction, by the grace of God. Now, if we don't appropriate the grace of God, we're grieving the Holy Spirit whenever we are cynical, whenever we are critical, 
whenever we are trashing somebody else. In Ephesians 4, notice verse 30. First thing it says, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. We are commanded to stop grieving God, whereby you're sealed under the day of redemption. We're sealed by the Spirit of God. Then it goes on and it identifies what grieves God. Notice verse 31. Let all, what? There it is. Bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and what? Evil speaking. So if you connect the two verses together, evil speaking grieves God. It says, let it be put away from you with all malice. Verse 32 gives us the, repl- the replacement principle. Remember, put on, put off, put on, put off. Verse 32 says, and be kind one to another. That's what we should put on. Tenderhearted and forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. So it grieves the Holy Spirit when we speak evil one of another. You know what that means? It means it's hindering the salvation of souls. It'll do that in a New Testament church. We may be hindering the salvation of people we love. And directly or indirectly. Why? Because God's not going to bless us if we're, if we're critical. If we're trashing people. If we're speaking poorly of them. God's not going to bless us. Secondly, we're heading for a, a future heartbreak if we do this as parents. You know, I heard a story. and In fact, I, I know of the preacher. He told the story of a uh, deacon that he had in his church who had a fine wife. Together they had two children and a boy and a girl. And uh, you would have thought that those were the finest kids around. Everything was right in that family. They did family devotions together. They, they talked right as far as being in church. They, they witnessed. They, they dressed right. The kids grew up in a Christian school. And, and everything was right about those kids. But as soon as they graduated, they left the home. The girl went into drugs and prostitution. The boy went into drugs of robbery and winded up in jail. In jail, the pastor visited the deacon's son and he said, son, what, whatever brought this on? And the boy said, what are you doing here? And the, and the preacher said, well, I'm, I'm here to be of some help. And the boy said, I don't need your help. And the, 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 the preacher said, do you have something against me? And he said, yes, I have something against you. And the preacher said, what did I ever do to you? He said, let me tell you something. Nearly every day in our home, I heard about the wrong you were doing as the pastor. I heard about your faults. I heard about you, uh, how you mishandled things, how you were a dictator, how you played favorites, how you were unfair, how you were uh, mean, how you loved attention. And he just went on and on and on. How you used people. He said, my folks talked about it all the time. You know, those parents would have probably been better off sacrificing their kids to the gods of, of Moab and having them pass through the fire as do that kind of thing. They cut their own throats as parents by doing that. By having that critical spirit all the time. And the kids grew up and they heard all that and it's no wonder they thought the preacher was a joke. You know, there are a number of parents who are are defiling themselves and others. That's what Hebrews 12 is talking about. Defiling others by a critical spirit. It's kind of like the old vampire who bites somebody and then they bite somebody and they bite somebody and they just keep becoming vampires. And, and what goes around comes around. And the sad part is, this is sin. And, and this is sin that will find us out. That's what Numbers 
32.23 says, Behold, ye have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. So what is the balance here when we're talking about, uh, about I guess, being discerning and, and judging and so on? What's the balance? Well, we need to stand for truth, but we don't rag on another Christian who isn't. We, we actually leave them alone. We have good standards. We should, but we don't play junior policemen. We don't go around uh, trying to impose what we think upon everybody else. We don't try to make everyone a clone of us. There's individual soul liberty. We don't try to run the lives of other people. They don't appreciate it anyway. By the way, have we figured that out? They don't appreciate it anyway. And, uh, and, and we, we need to study about the priesthood of the believer. They are a priest answerable to God directly if they're saved. And uh, normally saying less is better. That's just a good tidbit, a good piece of advice. Normally just saying less is better. If you've got to err on one side or the other, maybe err on that side. God, God didn't deputize me. God didn't deputize you to straighten everybody out. We're not the standard. I'm not the standard. You're not the standard. Jesus Christ is the standard. The Word of God is the standard. And, and we are nowhere close to the Lord. We are trying to become like Him. Look, if you would, in Psalm 34, and we'll close. Psalm 34. So, again, what leads us to having a critical spirit? Well, I I mentioned the Pharisee syndrome. Holier than thou, that kind of thing. Being like Judas. And and criticizing because, well, we're a Pharisee, basically. Number two, it's trying to feel better about ourselves. Is that why we do that? Is that insecurity? where we, we put somebody down to feel better about ourselves? Or thirdly, are we jealous of them? Are we discontented with, with what God has given us and, and made us, how He's made us? Fourthly, are we like Elijah's is super spiritual where nobody else is standing like I'm standing and, and uh, I only am le- uh, I'm left? Is it because uh, we've gotten closer to somebody than we can handle? And uh, because we have a critical spirit, we start to trash him? Is it the Simon the Sorcerer Syndrome? Give me, give me, give me. I didn't pay the price. I didn't earn the stripe. I wasn't there. But, but now I want whatever it might be. Fill in the blank. Is it a failure to see the big picture? Are we just looking at one little piece of it? You know, before we, we say something about somebody, well, to me, they didn't handle that right, but I don't see the big picture. We should always add that. To me, I, I think he's, he's, he did that wrong or whatever it might be, but I don't see the big picture. Truth of the matter is, we don't see the big picture. And, and finally, we're depraved. And we're going to have to resist that like gravity and not go there. Notice what Psalm 34 says, just these two verses, and I'll close. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good? All right, here he is. Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. The guy who's going to be blessed, the gal who's going to be blessed, is the one who keeps the tongue from evil and the lips from speaking guile. It's, it's so easy to have, unfortunately, this very negative quality. I said it's an undetected Christian pastime to not even realize we have it. The goal is to root out that root of bitterness and daily ask God for victory in this area. Amen and amen. May God add His help and His grace in overcoming this. 
You've been listening to Pastor Tony Skeving of the Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. If you would like a CD of today's message, you can obtain one by sending a gift of $2 to Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. That address again, Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. We hope you'll join Pastor Skeving next time right here on Pulpit Power. Pulpit Power is a production of Heaven 88.7.